0: This morning, uh, I just want to remind you that at the conclusion of our service, we are going to be uh, taking part in communion, uh, which is what the Lord encouraged us to do and to do often in remembrance of him. And the word God has given me for today reinforces that importance uh, as why Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross for you and for me. We've been in our journey through John, uh, this incredible gospel written by the Apostle John. And last week we were talking about uh, the complete unity that how Jesus, as he lifted up his heart in prayer, three times he asked the Father, uh, not just for his disciples then, but all future disciples that they would know that complete unity, that they would be one as he and the Father are one. And after Jesus completed praying, we know that he was then subsequently arrested by the religious leaders, and they in turn brought him to Pontius Pilate. Uh, Pilate was the Roman governor at that time, and they brought Jesus to Pilate because under Roman law, No one could kill anyone. No one could judge and then uh, slay someone. Only the Roman government could bring that decision to bring a death sentence to someone. And so the religious leaders brought him to Pilate. Pilate questioned Jesus and determined that it was really out of envy or jealousy that the, uh, the religious leaders had arrested Jesus and he tried to free him. But the religious leaders would have none of that, and they incited the crowd uh, to ask for Barabbas to be freed, a murderer. Because every year, Pilate granted clemency uh, to, uh, he would pardon one prisoner. And at that moment, he was looking to use that pardon on Jesus. But the religious leaders incited the crowd, and they said, no, give us Barabbas, who was in prison uh, for murder and insurrection, and so ultimately, uh, Pilate had no choice. He gave in uh, to, the, uh, to the leaders and the, what the people wanted, and he had Jesus crucified. And while he was on the cross, uh, just before he died, Jesus made a declaration that consisted of three powerful words. That's the title of our message here today, Three Powerful Words words. John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. And then the Bible says, with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Or the word finished there also in the Greek could be used for complete. It is complete. Three powerful words I want to talk to you this morning why I believe these words, it is finished, to be so powerful uh, and, and what connection they have to you and I today. How these three words, it is finished, should impact your life and my life today. Three powerful words, it is finished. Let me share the first thought on what it represents. Number one, I believe that uh, these three powerful words represent Christ's work. They represent Jesus Christ's work and the work that we're talking about, which he completed or he finished. uh, I also, if you're taking notes, not only that I want you to write represents Christ's work, but then slash on that and add on there his complete obedience, his complete obedience. Listen to the words of our Lord earlier in John chapter 4 verse 34, Jesus said this, my food, said Jesus, is to do the work of him who sent me and to finish his work. In John chapter 5, we record in verse 36, Jesus again speaking, I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. So from these scriptures and very early on, if you remember uh, when he was younger and his parents brought Jesus to the to Jerusalem Uh, for the for the sacrifice uh, and the Passover at one point they lost track of him and he was wound up in the temple talking with the scholars and when they ultimately found him several days later they were concerned and why he did that and he said didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business so from even from a very early age Jesus lived with a mission. And that mission was to complete the work that God had given him. Uh, that work began when he was born, and then ultimately as he began to grow, we know that he, his ministry started when he was approximately 30 years of age, and he began to declare the kingdom of God had arrived. He began to declare the word of God and supported that with miracles upon miracles upon miracles. This was part of the work, and his work was finished or complete on the cross of Calvary. On the cross of Calvary, right before he died, he uttered these three powerful words. It is finished. The mission that the Father has given me to do, I have completed that mission. Now, our connection today to that, how can these three words, it is finished, impact your life and my life today? Why do I consider them to be so powerful as they were uttered by the Lord? Well, let's look at a a scripture that many of us know in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 in verse 10. We find, for we, meaning all the people of God, are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork, God's creation. Another uh, translation could be we are God's masterpiece. I tell that to my wife all the time. Look at me. I'm a masterpiece created by God. And God blessed you that you can live with such a masterpiece. And right now she's at home saying, wait till you get home. (laughs) But in all seriousness, every single child of God, you are a masterpiece. You are God's creation. You are uniquely created by God. But notice that we are created by God to do work that God prepared in advance for us to do. So let me... Capitalize all of that in this phrase. We are saved by God for the work of God. Let me say that one more time. We are saved by God for the work of God. Every child of God, everyone who has embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior, if you have made that decision to Embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are God's masterpiece. You are created by God of a specific purpose, and that is for to accomplish, to complete, to finish the work that God prepared even before you were born. So like Jesus, you and I ought to live with this mission, to finish, to complete, the work that the Lord has given for us, the work God prepared for us to do. We find in the scriptures that the apostle Paul, he lived with this mission. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it records, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was determined to live a life of complete obedience. At this juncture, when this was penned, the apostle Paul wanted to go to Jerusalem he was warned by other believers, don't go to Jerusalem. There's nothing but hardship, suffering, trials, all, of, you're gonna, all that is waiting for you. Why go there? And this is where Paul made this utter, this declaration. Hey, my life doesn't count. It doesn't matter what I go through. The only thing that matters to me, the Apostle Paul was declaring, is I want to complete the task. The Lord has given me the task of sharing the good news to unwaveringly finish or complete the work that God has given him. The Apostle Paul was willing to go through hardship and sufferings because he lived with that attitude that nothing was more important to him than completing the task, the work that God has assigned for him. And because he lived with this attitude, the Apostle Paul exhorted others to live with the same attitude. In fact, remember in Colossians chapter 4, and verse 17, we find where he, it says, tell Ockippus, see to it, That you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. See to it, make sure. Maybe this precious brother was struggling, maybe he was vacillating, maybe he was wondering if he had done enough, and maybe he should stop. That Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing a letter to this church, singles out this brother in the end to try to exhort him, to try to encourage him. Don't drop the ball, don't stop. Make sure you complete the work that God has given you, the ministry God has given you. And I believe that this exhortation applies to every believer today. That you and I, we must finish, we must complete the work God has given us. Even, listen, even if it means hardship and suffering, we should live with this attitude That nothing is more important than completing the task God has assigned for us to do. And we live in such a time where we need to realize many are choosing to drop out. Many are choosing to say, you know what? It's not worth it all. It's too much hassle. It's too much work. I I want an easier life. I don't want to stand before the Lord, and I don't want any of you to stand before the Lord and hear the Lord say, you didn't do well. I can't say, well done, good and faithful servant. You started well. This is like a marathon, brothers and sisters. You start that race and you start to do ministry, you start to do what God has called you to do, what God prepared for you to do even before you were born, even before you thought of embracing Jesus Christ as your Savior, I know that sounds so incredible. I know that's hard sometimes to wrap our heads around, but I want you to think about this for a moment. If I could get personally use my own uh, life as an illustration, I could never imagine that God, even before I was born, had already purposed and planned for me not only to be a child of God, but then to ultimately work as a Bible teacher and then one day come into the ministry. That was never on my radar, but it was always on God's radar. And I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to be able, the Apostle Paul and Timothy, you can read it when you go home, he winds up telling Timothy, Timothy, I finished the race. I kept the faith. In other words, he was telling him, I have completed The task that God assigned for me. Sadly, many start out doing the work that God's called them to do. But somewhere along the way, maybe because of physical tiredness, maybe mental exhaustion, whatever the reasons are, somehow they they decide, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to stop. And I don't find anywhere in ministry where you and I are called by God to stop doing the work that God's called us to do. I'm not against vacations. I'm not saying that there are times we don't need to rest our bodies and our minds, but I think we use that oftentimes as an excuse because we are very busy with our life and we have no problem exhausting ourselves to do the things that we want to do. I'd rather burn out for Jesus than burn out doing something else. I wanna be found completing the work that God has given me, and I want that for your life as well. We must be about our father's business. If God have completed, finished the work that he's prepared for us to do, that and that alone is complete obedience to the Lord. So under these three powerful words, The first thing is it represents Christ's work, his complete obedience. Here's the second thought that came to my heart. That these three powerful words represent Christ's atonement. And that means his complete sacrifice. I want to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I'm looking at verses 14. Through 16. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. For he himself, meaning Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Remember that now. His purpose was to create in himself. One new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile, come on, say reconcile at home with me, reconcile. We'll talk about what that is. To reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And then... In the book of Colossians, I'm going to turn there to chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. We find this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, meaning Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth Or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Okay, so let's break all of that down. Through his death on the cross, we find in Ephesians that the Apostle Paul is saying there were two that were in host, hostile to one another. There was the Jewish nation, the, uh, the people of God, and then there were Gentiles, everybody else who's non-Jewish, is a Gentile. And these were hostile. Uh, uh, they were at war with one another constantly. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he eliminated the two and made one, the people of God. And through his sacrifice on the cross, that people were now reconciled to God. The word reconciled there means to bring back into relationship. And so what, ha- what we're, we find from both of these scriptures is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his atonement on the cross of Calvary, Jesus eliminated these two groups. So there are no more in, God's, uh, in the new economy of God. In the New Testament, there's no more Jew or Gentile. There are only people of the people of God. The two have become one. Secondly, notice that in Ephesians, uh, through his death on the cross, Jesus eliminated the law. And we'll talk about what that means. And thirdly, he reconciled. He brought back into relationship this man with God. His sacrifice on the cross is complete Because through his blood, you and I have the forgiveness of sins. God doesn't forgive sins because you're sorry. God doesn't forgive sins because you cry and and say you're never going to do it again. No, the only way sins are forgiven is through blood. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, you read that when you go home. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we gain forgiveness of our sins through the sacrifice of Christ. His sacrifice is complete, finished, because Not only does that blood forgive us of our sin, but the Bible goes on to tell us in Hebrews that it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we now have access to God. We can come before this most holy God with confidence, not because we've been good, not because we're religious, not because of anything you and I could ever achieve, but we can come before God and and not be stricken dead because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And through his sacrifice, you and I could know what it is to actually have a relationship with God. We need to remember that that prior to Jesus' death on the cross, a relationship with God was very limited. Only a select few, the prophets can have a relationship with God where they can talk to God and God will talk back, right? We know Moses and we read the prophets. There were very few who actually have a relationship with God. But now through the death of of Jesus Christ on the cross, his sacrifice is complete because now everyone, everyone who embraces Jesus Christ as their savior can have a relationship with God where you can talk to God and God will talk back to you. This is why the, the sacrifice of Christ is complete. This is why he uttered these three words. It is finished. It's complete. And by complete, it's important that we remind ourselves we cannot Add anything to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross in order to be saved. Religion cannot be added to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In fact... the the whole book of Galatians is all about this church in Galatia where they were born again Christians were visited by some Jewish Christians who recognized okay uh, you guys embrace Christ as your savior but you're not really truly saved yet because you have to obey the law you have to get circumcised you have to follow all the requirements and the commandments that are in the law and the apostle Paul when he heard that said wait a second you guys got it all wrong. You don't understand that Christ nailed the law. He abolished the law on, on the cross because through his life and his sacrifice, he fulfilled all the law. And he did away with that at the cross. So religion, and when I use the word religion, I'm talking about rules and regulations. We are not Old Testament people. We are New Testament people. We're not called to follow the Old Testament laws. We have a higher law, if you will. It is the law of the Spirit of God that dwells within us. We can't add to our salvation. You can't say, I'm saved because I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Nothing that you and I can do could ever be added to the blood of, and of Jesus Christ. In fact, to try is to say that the sacrifice of the Lord was not complete. Something must be added to it in order to truly gain forgiveness of sin. I hope you understand that. I hope you're receiving that today, my brother, my sister. Don't allow anyone ever to question, Uh, your salvation, uh, well, because you can't be saved because, you know, uh, you're wearing pants or you can't be saved because you're doing this or you're doing that. Our salvation is never connected to anything that we could ever say or do. Our salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It is finished. We can draw near to God. Listen, don't be like Adam. When Adam sinned and he heard God walking in the garden, Adam tried to hide. He tried to hide from the presence of God because of the sin in his life. I've discovered that many Christians don't have an active, vibrant relationship with God because they're living still under the law, I can't have a relationship with God. In other words, because you know I, I, I didn't do good to this week, man. I, I I cursed this week and I did this or I did that, and so we stay away from being alone with God. Because we think we're not worthy of it. The good news is this we will never, in and of ourselves, be worthy to be in God's presence. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you and I could recognize my salvation is completed at the cross, in that I can come before God and say, Father, I've stumbled and fell, but I thank you this morning, I thank you today for the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and purifies it so that I can come into your presence, Lord. Don't look at my failures. Father, look to the blood of the Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. We are negligent if we fail to deepen our relationship with God. We're negligent in truly appreciating and understanding the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. His sacrifice is complete for your salvation and mine so that we can have a relationship with God, an active, vibrant, relationship with God. And when we are not being diligent to establish that relationship with God, to deepen that relationship with God, let me put it this way. We cheapen the sacrifice of God. We fail to understand Jesus did not die on the cross so that I could say, my sins are forgiven, one day I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful and nice, but that's not why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross. His sacrifice is complete so that right here, right now, you and I can have that vital relationship with God. So that right here, right now, we can continue to deepen our relationship with the God who loves us so much. Worship team, would you please come back up? We're talking this morning about three powerful words. It is finished. And they represent Christ's work. His complete obedience. They represent his atonement. His complete sacrifice. And our connection to that today is that we should be living with this same mindset of complete obedience. I want to live my life doing the work that God's called me to do. At the end of my days, whenever that might be, I want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I finished the race. I completed the task that you gave me to do, Father. We want to understand that Christ's atonement, his complete sacrifice, makes a way, opens the door, provides the pathway for you and I to have that intimate relationship with God and that we are appreciative of that sacrifice and we demonstrate that appreciation by deepening our relationship with God, by not ignoring it, but making it a focal point of our life.